today's episode of Power of the Towel for the Next Misconduct Network. Jake Vertanen is back with the Vancouver Canucks. Shotgun Jake will continue for the Vancouver Canucks for potentially the next two seasons, maybe shorter. But who knows? Shotgun Jake for the immediate future is back with the Vancouver Canucks. Josh Levo, maybe the most forgotten UFA for the Vancouver Canucks, signed with the Calgary Flames, the Calgary Canucks. They've got another one, folks. Markstrom, Tanev, Deming, and now Josh Levo. We get into all of that, and our guest this week is none other than Ryan Lahall from AM730 and the SET Show. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel for the Next Misconduct Network. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Before you go any further, subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network wherever you get podcasts. This is the only show on the Next Misconduct Network right now. Sip it on a 40, silky and filthy, quickie on hiatus. For a good reason. They will be back at some point. Do not worry. But we have... Well, I guess we can... No, we'll save it for the end of the show. Anyways, the two big items of Canucks news that we want to discuss this week... First off, Jake Vertanen, shotgun Jake, back with the Vancouver Canucks. They avoided arbitration, signed a two-year, $2.55 million AAV, average annual value. That's a cap hit. And um, like Jake Vertanen, he's going to have to play well for the Vancouver Canucks because they don't really have any other options on that top line. When you lose Tyler Toffoli, and it's going to be, I think it's going to sting a lot out of all the losses. I think Tyler DeFoley's will be the most prevalent because now you are forced to play shotgun Jake, Jake for Tannen on that top line, and he's probably going to put up points. He had 18 goals last year. He can, I don't know, who knows what next season is going to look like, right? Like, who knows what's next season, how long it's going to be, but there's a good chance Jake for Tannen gets over 20 goals next season playing along Elias Patterson and JT Miller, right? Very good possibility. And he's going to have to play well because... You can't really put him on a second line with Tanner Pearson and Bo Horvat because he's not good enough responsibly. They're just not good enough responsibly, or at least Jake Vertanen isn't good enough responsibly to play on that line. And he's not good enough for defensively to play on that third line. And he's not going to be able to produce offensively on that third line either, playing with presumably a guy like Brand Sutter, who's an offensive black hole. So he's going to be that top line right winger for the Vancouver Canucks starting in next season. And Godspeed to Jake Vertanen. I mean, this this opportunity doesn't come around. The quote won Eminem. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. To play on a top line with Elias Patterson, one of the top young centers in the game, and JT Miller, a very, very good winger, a top line winger for your team. You have opportunity right now, Jake Vertanen, 
to cement your place in the NHL. Don't take this lightly. Don't be, don't be resting on your laurels, having some truffle fries at the Abbotsford Cactus Club. I hope you realize the opportunity you have right here with the Vancouver Canucks. And we're all rooting for you. I don't want to see Jake Rutan fail. He seems he has all the tools to be a good winger in the NHL. He's big. He's fast. He's got a good shot. But for whatever reason, Jake Vertanen, in his time with the Vancouver Canucks, has not been able to put it all together. And next season, presumably under a shortened season with a all-Canadian division, hopefully Jake Vertanen has his time to shine. Hopefully Jake Vertanen can get things going in his career and keep a consistent streak going. Because there's a lot of people out there who want to see Jake Vertanen succeed, myself included. I, you know, we take shots of the whole Cactus Club thing. But at the end of the day, Jake Vertanen, Jake Vertanen, you have an opportunity here. Do not waste it. I beg of you, do not waste it. Playing with Elias Patterson and JT Miller, you have the opportunity to put up points. And I hope you take advantage of it, man. Because we, Canucks fans are rooting for you. I, I hope you realize that if you're listening to this. We want you to succeed. But if you can't make it work on a prime opportunity with Elias Patterson and JT Miller, I don't know how much longer your NHL career is going to be. Okay, the other big news, Josh Levo signed a one-year 875K deal with the Calgary Flames. And I mean, my big question with Josh Levo is, is his knee going to hold up? Is his knee going to hold up? Remember, he has not played... He's not played since pretty much last year when he, I believe he injured his knee in December, and that was a big loss at the time. Josh Levo, hopefully his knee holds up. And if it does, I think he's going to be better than that Jackson, Jason Howerluck guy they they signed for dirt cheap. Because we know what he can do with Bo Horvat. He he played really well with him. It's it's a no, it's a win-win because if you, if Josh Levo plays well with Calgary, he's going to look amazing, and he's going to be doing it on the cheap. If not, they can just cut their losses and move on to the next guy next season. It sounds like the Canucks were offering a similar deal, but like this is a theme of this offseason. The Canucks circled back, and Josh Levo already took his deal. It was too late. It was too late for Josh Levo. There's also the psychological aspect of a big knee injury like this for Josh Levo. If you're a pro athlete, you have to be able to play without fear, without hesitation, all gas, no breaks. Is Josh Levo going to be able to do that when he steps back onto the ice in a competitive situation next season with the Calgary Flames? If he can, then it's going to be a great deal. If he can't, then Josh Levo may be in bit of trouble. And you got to feel for a guy like Josh Levo. He was kind of screwed around in Toronto, didn't really get an opportunity, comes here to Vancouver, gets that opportunity, does real well, and then gets injured. And then we never see him again, pretty much. Again, like like Jake Vertan, I want Josh Levo to succeed. I think he, he would have been a great addition back with the Vancouver Canucks for a dirt cheap contract. This and to the Canucks credit, I guess they did try resigning. But he's gonna be the Calgary Flames, the Calgary Canucks. Godspeed, Josh Levo. Best of luck, man. I hope I hope you can resurrect your career with Calgary. I honestly do. Anyways, on this week's episode of Power of the Towel, our guest is none other 
And Ryan Leal, you will hear him right after this sound bump. Just a minute. Don't hang up. Yellow. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. Okay, so we now welcome on the Power of the Towel podcast for the Next Misconduct Network. His second time, in short order, being on the Next Misconduct Network. He is a host on AM730 and a producer, the producer, on the SET Strictly Connects Talk show. It's Ryan Leal. Ryan, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. Uh, second appearance on uh, Nux Misconduct Network. Yeah. Kyle, you know, he was an uh, interesting host. Yeah, interesting I, I, Kyle, Kyle's an interesting guy. And, like, I, I, heard you, I heard you on his podcast. I'm like, you know what? We have to have him on Power of the Town for more in-depth. And not that Kyle was not in-depth, but maybe a bit longer conversation this time on the Nux Misconduct Network. The people needed it. Uh, my first question is, you are you're known as the traffic guy. That's what Kyle called you, the traffic guy. You work on AN730, which people don't know is the traffic station here in the Lower Mainland. And I've got a question. So I was driving out to Surrey uh, Saturday night to play a soccer game, and I was taking taking a certain bridge to go over there. And I want to know, if it, is it pronounced Patello or Patulo? Because I was confused, like, think, like looking up the directions. Which, how is it pronounced? What's the official pronunciation? Go- I would go with Patello. Like, people will call in and they'll say Patulo, and I'm always just like, that just doesn't sound right. Like, it doesn't sound nice for me to say on air, the Patulo Bridge. Yeah, so it is Patello. It's Patello. It's Patello. It has to be. Okay, and, and no no offense. I know Kyle's Mr. Surrey, so he might get offended if I say this. We got to do something about that bridge. Like, I was driving over there. I felt like I should be taking a horse and buggy over there. Like, it was just felt oh, like, yeah. I felt like I was in a different world. Yeah, it is a, it is a terrible bridge. Yeah. I will say that. Um, they are fixing it, right? They do those overnight improvements every night. Um, but yeah, that, that is a terrible bridge. Like if you can avoid it, do it. Take the port, man. No more tolls. Take the port, man. Do you have any connections with the infrastructure people in in the (laughs) the province? Can we, can we get that sped up at all? Man, I wish I did. Cause then I would fix highway one, like out in the Valley. Yeah. That is a terrible fucking highway. Yeah. Who builds two lanes on each side for like your main highway? Yeah, it's pre- I don't get. it's pretty whack. And like I know like it, they're starting to expand it like closer, like once you get to like Fort Langley area, they're starting to expand it mm-hmm. there. But yeah. right now, like I know, like I don't really go I've been out to the valley with my old job a couple times and yeah, sometimes that the highway's a bit scratch, especially at night. There's not much light going on there. Especially no, those, no, especially no, when you're like no. kinda like in between Langley Abbotsford. It's it can get kinda <laughs> stretch. Thank God I have working headlights, so I don't really have to worry about that. But Anyways, let's uh, let's get some hockey talk. Uh, I guess we'll start with the two big news items from the past week since we've last done this episode of Power of the Towel. The big one is Jake Vertanen. Jake Vertanen signed a two-year deal with the Vancouver Canucks. Avoided arbitration. Two years, 2.55 average annual value cap hit. He's going to be a Vancouver Canucks, presumably for the next two years. Uh, my first question, do you know if Tambier was ready to speak on behalf of Jake Vertanen in his arbitration case. Was what was, was he was he going to get called up at all? Oh, probably. Tanbeer was ready to, to record on that night, and I was like, yo, the one night he actually signed, I actually can't do it. I actually can't do it. But, uh, yeah, Tanbeer is, has to be, like, Jake Vertanen's maybe his only diehard fan. He's his number one I've booster. I have never seen anyone in love with a player more than that. Like, even as a kid, for me, like, for me, it was always Marcus Nasland. But, like, this is a different level. Like, I've never seen this before. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. And He's it, just, it's just like, I don't know. It's like, is he your cousin? Is he your brother? Is he, I don't know, Tanvir and Jake Bertanen love? I don't get it. 
but they 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 partied before together at the Abbotsford Cactus Club. That, that <laughs> that's their big connection. Had a lot of truffle I fries. That, yeah. <laughs> so like, what what do you see Jake Vertanen's role with the Vancouver Canucks going forward? I think when you sign him to the deal that they did, they expect him to be a top six contributor. But at the same time, I think we all know what Travis Green's thoughts are on Jake Vertanen at this point. He's not really defensively reliable enough to play him maybe on the line with Bo Horvat. So he's going to have to play presumably with Elias Patterson and JT Miller. That's probably where he's going to slot in next season, right? Or at least give him a shot there. I think with Jake, he's always played well when he's moved up in mm-hmm. the lineup. When you play him in your bottom six, his role is his role would be mainly to what crash and bang, really. That's what you would want him to do. You would want him to bring some energy to, and some speed, some energy. He doesn't necessarily do that, but all of a sudden when he moves up, it's like almost a completely different player in a way. Like he'll still kind of float around out there. He still won't take the puck to the net. But when he plays with elite talent, he plays better. That's where he does score a lot of his goals. He is really just that second line with Bo Horvat is where you would want him to be. And it's like at best, maybe a middle six forward, but I just don't see how if you keep playing him in the bottom six, he's going to really turn into anything. Like I get it. He scored 18 goals, but a lot of them you could say were kind of flukes. I know Tamber's going to hate that comment, but it was true. Like Jake Vertanen in the bottom six isn't good when he's playing with Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel. Tyler Mott is still your best bottom six forward. But with Jake Vertanen, you want to get the best out of him. He needs to move up in that lineup. He needs power play time, too. I still think Jake Vertanen on the power play, even if you don't want to really tinker with that first unit. But if he plays on that first unit from time to time, I think Jake Vertanen would be a, quite a good contributor with this team. You put him in that front of the net in the slot area, I think he's going to score you goals. Well, the problem with the Canucks going forward, I foresee, is their top power play unit is still going to be really good. They still have a lot of the pieces from last year on the top power play. It's just with the lack of depth that we've seen with this offseason moves that I don't know how much opportunity the second power play unit is going to get. They might just roll with the first power play unit as long as possible because outside of Jake for Tannen, what are you really going to have there? Maybe even like Brock Besser used to be on the second power play unit for a stretch, and now he's for sure going to be on the top power play unit back again with Toffoli out there. Yeah, that's the thing about having one power play unit that is just so dominant that second unit doesn't really get a lot of time and we've even seen yeah Besser's move down a bit to fully with him gone Besser's probably going to move up you again you still could put Jake in that spot the thing about the Canucks is that their second unit as a whole it's not really that good like, no you've even seen it from the back end perspective like yeah okay you'll put Tyler Myers out there or whatnot but even then Myers is he's that one defenseman where it's like okay he looks like he's can be a decent offensive defenseman which he was early on in his career he's a good skater he's a good puck mover but shooting wise it's just like it's almost it's not like chris tanovesque but it's just like there's not much there for a guy who's that big yeah and with jake for tannin like i think his career directory if he was on a perfect team a, a true cup contender he'd be a third line scoring winger like that's kind of what his role oh, yeah. would be. But with the current Canucks lineup and the moves we've seen in this offseason, which we're going to get to in a bit, he's going to have to play that top line with Elias Patterson and JT Miller. And I think he's going to do fairly well. Like, when you're playing with PD and JT Miller, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to get your opportunities. You're going to get your points, even if it's those secondary assists. Like, Jake Vertanen, I think, point-wise, is going to do well. I'm just, I'm just not convinced that that line will live up to the best that they can be with Jake Vertanen in that role. 
Yeah, like there is a spot open with no Toffoli as well. So Bertanen's going to move up. People are going to get their chances. The thing about Jake is it's always been, can he do it consistently enough? Can he do it, you know, at a decent enough pace? And we've seen that him in spurts. We've always seen him in spurts. When he does move up on that top line, like you did say, secondary assists, good chance that he's going to get a lot more of those because his assist totals have always been, well, his goal totals and assist totals have always been fairly similar. Like I think he got, what, 18 and 18 this year? Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah, so he's always been really, really similar that way. You play him with more of a puck mover. You play him with all those finishers. He's got to, even by fluke, he's got to get more assists. Yeah, just for even off a puck bouncing off his shin pad, like, he's going to get a couple more points this year, and at least, I think he will I think he can get to 20 goals playing on a line with Lise Patterson and, and JT Miller. I think we can finally get the mythical shotgun Jake 20-goal season uh, this season. Hopefully, they play as many games as possible, but... I just, again, I just don't think that that line can live up to its full potential with Jake Vertanen on there. Well, yeah, you think it might be hampered a bit? Oh, easily. With Jake? Yeah, 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 easily. Like, I think with the the whole strength of the Canucks in their in their run in the playoffs was their top six. Like, you could roll Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Tyler Toffoli, and then Brock Besser, Tanner Pearson, Bo Horvat, and that was their strength. That's what they had to rely on to beat the Blues and forced the Vegas Golden Knights to seven games. And Jake wasn't really a part of that, right? Like, you could see, you saw the bottom six throughout the Vegas series. They got caved in. Like, their strength was their top, top six. And with Jake Vertanen now in that top six, I don't know how you can say it's it's improved or even the same. Yeah, okay, I will agree with you on that. It, it hasn't improved, and you can't say it has improved with Jake. Uh, is it the same? Probably not. Um, Vertanen is still trying to find himself as a player and it's like you're 24 now yeah he's 24 now and it's like he is what he is he's 24 years old he He has what he is at this point yeah and it's like how many more chances are you going to get you got this two-year contract at what i think is a decent term and it's a decent dollar value as well it's like he's not a three million dollar player at all he's still not making more. that was the worst case scenario if he got in arbitration got three mil a year yeah, like you're not a three mil player. I, Jay Beagle's also not a three mil player, but at least Beagle brings you something else. Good face up guy, penalty killer, and whatnot. Uh, Jake, you've got what two more years left to really prove yourself, and it's like after this, he's that's it, that's it. Like what else is Jake going to be? That's it. You'll be twenty. He'll be twenty six, and like at twenty six, you are what you are for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other most recent news surrounding the Vancouver Canucks was Josh Levo. Again, the Calgary Canucks, they're signing everyone from, from the Canucks. I'm fully expecting them to offer sheet Elias Pettersson next year and try and get him on the team somehow. Like, they're just going after all the, all the Canucks they can get. He signed a one-year deal, I think around 875 k a year, so under mil, under one-year, one-mil deal. I like Josh Levo. I liked him really well. Re- liked him a lot when he was with the Vancouver Canucks. But at the end of the day, like, his knee is going to be the big issue, right? Like, how is his knee going to hold up? And he hasn't played any hockey since he got injured last season, right? Like, he's going to spend a lot of the time this past year on the IR trying to trying to fix this knee. And it's also, like, a psychological issue. Like, how is he going to hold up in the NHL if in the back of the mind he's always thinking, the knee, the knee. Like, the knee's going to affect me, right? Yeah, I think for Calgary, it's a low-risk contract, right? It's one year. Low-risk, high-reward. Yeah, low-risk, high-reward. There's no downside to it at all for them. Like, he he doesn't pan out, cool, move on, right? With Josh Levo, it's always been when he's been here, I've always thought that, okay, he's got a great shot. He's a decent enough forward. He's never really been the greatest skater. That's always Mm -hmm. kind of been my thing with him. And it's like, okay, when you hurt your knee, it's probably going to hamper you skating-wise as well. 
So it's like Levo leaving Vancouver. It's not the biggest loss either. Like, yeah, okay, he went to another division rival. Cool. He's going to go join Tanov, Erickson. Oh, not Erickson. Sorry. I wish they took Erickson. Yeah. That, that's the next one. Maybe we should try and boost boost up Erickson's value somehow. Just say, hey, look at, look at him in the room. Like, he's really good. Take this contract. <laughs> hey, he's still here for another however many years. He must be two, in the room. He's been two, here year, so two more years. Two more years. Two more years. Brandon Sutter's another one. You know, great Alberta boy. Yeah. I'm sure the Sutters still have some pull with the Flames. Like, they probably want him there. Yeah, they still got a farm out there, right? Yeah. I'm sure they still have some influence with the Flames. Yeah, you exactly. can't get rid of the Sutters that easily. Oh, no, you can't. Uh, with, yeah, with Levo, it's just the knee is going to be an issue. It's, again, high reward, low risk for, for Calgary. If he can get you, what, maybe 10 goals, if that. If he can even play, what, 70 games in a season? Not even 70, 60. They're not even going to play a full season, probably. If he can give you half of whatever they play that's a win for you just in general that he played those many games yeah and again I, again i just can't shake the feeling that his knee is really going to hamper him the rest of the career and he's had a rough go in his career obviously he was benched a lot in toronto he wasn't really getting an opportunity he comes to vancouver and he does end up getting that opportunity he gets in a good situation with the canucks where they need that help on the wing and at the end of the day he gets injured and he can't really perform Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, we had Steve Dangle on SCT when that trade happened. And he was telling us that that's a win for us easily because, I mean, Josh Levo didn't get the opportunity in Toronto. He's, again, a decent bottom six forward. He can contribute. He gave up, what, Michael Carconi or whatever? Wait, that's nothing. Nothing for a guy that can give you, if he's healthy, probably 60-ish games in the NHL. Like, okay, he might get benched every now and then. But yeah, like with Josh Levo, it's he's had a rough go. He's got an, an opportunity here with the Flames. Even if he doesn't really necessarily pan out with the Flames, I think he's still good enough in the league to still continue to get those opportunities. He's, what, 27 now? Mm-hmm. The closer you do get to 30, I know it does drop off a lot, but he's still shown that he can contribute. And when he's healthy, I don't see why he can't put up 15 goals. Maybe, I'm not saying 20, but okay, 10 to 15 goals well, the, at most. It depends who he plays with the Flames. It depends who he plays with for sure, yeah. Yeah, and look, with, with Josh Levo, I think it's a very similar situation to how Tanev and maybe even the likes of Tyler Toffoli and Troy Stetcher left, where it sounds like the Canucks offered a, a very similar offer to what the Flames were, like a one-year show-me deal under a mill, but at the end, of, like the offer came a bit too late, and it was clear that the Canucks were trying to prioritize other things, and he said, well, you guys don't want me. I'm going to go to this team, the Calgary Flames, who really want me. That just seems to be a common theme throughout this offseason is, like players just feeling disrespected by Jim Benning. Yeah, that's a weird thing because when you have so many free agents as they do, it's like, how are you not really trying to re-sign almost any any of them, it seems like, right? Like, okay, Markstrom, I get six years, six mil, you're not going to match it. Like, you can't. You shouldn't. But everyone else, and you shouldn't. The TANF contract, you probably shouldn't match that either. But there's no reason why you probably at least couldn't have gotten in there a little bit earlier. The, the, The Foley one really bothers me. Because mm-hmm. that's a player that you acquired at the deadline. And Jim Benning was talking like, we didn't really need him. We played 60-odd games without him during the season. He was, was kind of like a whatever piece. And it was like, you traded a third-rounder. You traded what, for, for Tyler Madden was part of that deal. If you didn't need him, why'd you trade for him? Yeah. To make it even worse, it was actually a second-rounder, not a not a third-rounder for, yeah, yeah. for Tyler Madden. But at the same – yeah, let's, let's get to Tyler DeFoley a bit because that was the one that I think really set off Canucks Twitter – and set everyone off because, like you said, that's a good, that's a te- that's a deal. Any team in the NHL who needs a top six forward should be trying to get. You get a guy like Tyler Toffoli, who's a consistent top six forward, 
for four years, 4.25. Like, that's an absolute steal. And it just goes to show, and I've written about this, and I talked about this on the podcast before, that the mistakes of July 1st came back to bite Jim Benning and the Vancouver Canucks this offseason. Because if you don't have these, the Roussels, the Beagles, the Sutters, the Ericsons, all, all these guys, even a guy like a Furland or a Berchi, like they, they may be able to put Furlan on LTIR, but they can't do that until the season starts. And who knows when that season's gonna, next season's going to start. But anyways, the mistakes of July 1st pass have really come back to bite the Vancouver Canucks and Jim Benning this offseason. Yeah, this was probably the year where it was the most clear that it did come back and bite him because Tyler Toffoli is the guy you traded for. I could get Brock Besser was hurt. Toffoli's, you know, probably coveted by more than half of the teams in the league. He played well here. He wanted to be here. He was at a term and a, you know, dollar value that was affordable for you. So it's how do you just let him walk? How did you not even get in there early enough? Makes yeah. no sense to me. It's like, what what was your plan? Like, do you only have like one cell phone Jim Benning? Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get what he's doing. Yeah, no, especially and, with that contract. Yeah, and we I had Irfan Gafar on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and from what he said, I, I think I've pieced together how this offseason works for Jim Benning and the Vancouver Canucks. I think what happened was he was obviously really focused for close to a week trying to get Oliver Ekman Larson, and then afterwards once that trade fell through he wasn't able he wasn't able to get it done he's like oh shit i have to re-sign all these other guys and because he put all his effort into trying to trade for oel it, it, he couldn't make it work and all these other guys already took other deals because of the of the current market we're in if you have a good deal you should you have to you have to take it almost you can't really wait around to see what the team you're technically under contract with still is looking to do mhm yeah, the uh, whole Oliver ekman Larson thing, honestly, it probably would have been a great deal for Vancouver if they could have made it. But the thing was, what, they wanted one of Demko or Pakolzin, Hoglander, and obviously those are hard nose. So, okay, Jim Benning prioritized one sort of aspect. He prioritized his, you know, defense. But he needed to still improve his top six forwards. His defense last year wasn't good. Top six forwards last year, they were good, so he knew what worked. Yeah, it fully worked, and you didn't bring back the one thing you know for sure worked. Yeah, and with the, and, the one, yeah, go ahead. And, and and with the OEL trade, I think it was clearly a financial move by the Coyotes. They wanted a new GM comes in, pandemic. They want to get rid of that big ticket, and I think Jim Benning was right in the sense to kind of kind of hold him up over the fire and try and get a good deal out of him. And I think we know why he wasn't hesitant or why he didn't want to give up Thatcher Demko at the time. Because if you listen to that interview with Irfan Kafar, you know, the disconnect between Markstrom and the Canucks goes back over a year. They weren't really close on a contract for the whole season. And if you believe that, and I do believe that, you can see why they didn't want to give up Demko in any of these trades. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, that's your starting goalie now, almost, right? You're going to have your 1A, 1B split with Braden Holpe. The thing about with that trade with Jim Benning, we we're all seeing it too on Twitter. Jim? Be patient. Be patient, right? Like, you yeah. have the upper hand here. He gave two teams, Boston and Vancouver. There's no need to make a deal in a rush. The thing with Jim Benning is we've always seen it. It's like, is he ever patient enough? And the one time he was patient, okay, he didn't get the player. That's fine. But he still missed out on his own free agents in that regard, too. There's no Stetcher. There's no Toffoli. His defense kind of got worse. I know he did add to it with Nate Schmidt. But before that you know twitter was a tire fire everyone was calling for this guy's head and it's like what are they doing 
this team that almost went to a conference final uh, took a step back and I still think they've taken that step back. But the whole thing with Demko and Eric, and no, sorry, not Eric, I don't know why I keep saying Ericsson, Markstrom. I, that's because I want Louis. They're both Swedish. They're close enough. They're both Swedish, close enough. The one thing with those two guys is, okay, I think Jim Benning knew as well he's going to need to pay Markstrom. I think Jim Benning knew that, hey, he's going to have, you know, trouble trying to resign this guy. Like he would have known over a year ago that he was going to have issues. And at that point in time, he probably knew, okay, this guy's going to command big money. He was on, what, a $3 million a year deal at that point? Yeah, somewhere around there. So he got, you know, he, you know, that was half of what he's making now. And with Demko, you know, they, they gave him a shot only because they needed to give him a shot. He has swam so far. Can he swim for another, you know, 40-ish games? Can he be a number one player? We don't know. That's why you got Braden Holpe. I still think they might have overpaid for Braden Holpe, but, you know, that was something you needed to do when you don't really have another backup goaltender. Well, they had to – are you you saying he's overpaid like AV or term? Because they had to give him the two-year term to be exposed to expansion draft. Not the term, yeah, the uh, dollar amount. I was just thinking, like, with Braden Holpe, you probably could have gone maybe even a different goaltender at a cheaper term. Yeah. Kudobin might have been one, but with a guy who went to the cup final, obviously Dallas is going to resign him. And we'll yeah, him I think they're under well, so. a bit of pressure to resign him too. Yeah, but at this, but what the interesting thing about the Markstrom situation is, knowing now that maybe they weren't close for close to a year on a contract, maybe they should have explored trading him at the deadline. It would have been a controversial move, and I know like Jim Benning was hell sent hell bent on making the playoffs, but if you know you're not going to resign him. Maybe you you try and explore a trade. I I can see both sides of the argument of trading Markstrom in high like hindsight's twenty twenty. It's obviously easy to go say like, oh, we should have traded him now. There was no chance they're ever going to resign him. But you know, I do think there was there's some valid argument to the playoff experience helping the current core as it's constructed. Sure, I think some sometimes that argument might be, I don't know, over over hyped maybe a, a little bit. I still think experience does matter. The thing is, is that with Jacob Marstrom, okay, you could have dealt him at the deadline. Twitter would have gone crazy. I think your fans, your fan base would have gone crazy. Oh, it would have like, been a bloodbath. Like, what are you, you're trying to, you're tanking the season when you're so close yeah. to the playoffs in five you're years? You're so close to the playoffs for, like, the first time in a very long time. You see that you actually have a decent enough team to maybe, you know, win a round, maybe even two. And at this point, now you're still trying to say we're going to still maybe even rebuild. We're still going to trade away our number one elite goaltender for picks for the future that – you know, the future is now. No, the future is now with this team. And they did take a step back in a way. I still think they did with this off season. This team almost made a conference final. I get there was a lot of things that influenced that. You had COVID, you had the bubble. If that whole thing didn't even happen, would this team make the playoffs? It's a good chance that they don't. Yeah. Because they were on the little downhill kind of turn at that point. But if you had traded Marshall at the deadline before all this COVID stuff hit, what are you really saying to your fan base? You're saying that we're not ready. We're not good enough. When you've been building towards this moment, You've seen that this team looks like they were ready for this year, for the, for these playoffs. What are you saying to your fan base when you do trade your number one elite goaltender? You're basically saying that, yeah, we aren't ready enough. We don't think this this team is good enough. Yeah, and it would have been an interesting discussion at the time. In hindsight, like I said, hindsight is 2020. Maybe they should have traded him, but I, like it's hard to go back and say, oh, they definitely should have traded him now because there is a good argument to say that obviously the experience helped, but Let's not forget, like, Markstrom was that team MVP. Like, what could you realistically gotten for him at the deadline? Like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. Maybe, like, a, a second-round pick and a prospect? Like, something like a Tyler Toffoli deal. That's probably what you're looking at for a goalie at the deadline like Markstrom, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When you see it as well, it's like, 
you know, who really would have paid you a lot for a goaltender like that at the deadline? Who was really like, who would have really been in the market for a goaltender at that time? I don't. It's been so long. It's like I, I don't. I don't even know at this point. I don't. I don't remember. But <laughs> like the goalies at the deadline. Like I, the one big goalie deal at the deadline I remember is Ryan Miller when he went from Buffalo to St. Louis, and obviously they didn't really work out because they didn't even went around. Yeah, yeah. That's the big one that I think of. Yeah, I, I, I honestly I can't think of any team that would have needed a goaltender at that point. See, everything that happened pre-COVID, I don't remember anything. Yeah, no, it's completely wiped from yeah. my memory. It's just like a totally different world that like. If I think back to what it was before, I'm like, I just get depressed. Like I don't, I don't even want, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, but the uh, the bubble experience was fun. I don't know about you, but I quite like, you know, having everyone well, play you, in the same. If you're if you were an NHL player, maybe you'd be saying something different. But player, like yeah, it, from a, a fan's perspective, it was awesome. Like watching yeah. hockey all day, like from from noon to midnight. Like it was a hockey all day, especially during those first round qualifying rounds. It was awesome, but. I want to get your th- yeah, what are you, like your thoughts on the bubble. Mine are just generally like the bubble did what it was supposed to do, right? The bubble finished the NHL season, no positive tests, but I don't think there's going to be a bubble next season, right? Like it's pretty clear from I remember reading that anonymous article with uh, Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan from ESPN, and the, the players I don't think are very keen on having another bubble next season, which is going to necessitate I think an all Canadian division. This is I think. I think there's a very good chance of happening. It's going to be a lot of fun. An all-Canadian division. The, the most interesting part of this all-Canadian division, outside of the great content online that's going to come out of it, is outside of Ottawa, every single team in that Canadian potential Canadian division can win the division. I would say, you know, Canucks, Flames, Oilers, Leafs, Habs, Jets, all kind of at a similar level. I wouldn't be able to put one team clearly above everyone else. Yeah, it's going to be probably the most interesting division out there. The players not wanting a bubble, I do get that. Like, you're not going to want to go however long the season is, 50 games, 48 games, whatever it is. You don't want to go through all that year with with the bubble. And then plus playoffs, like, you don't know how long that's even going to take. If the season starts in January, when's it going to end? Like, almost almost the same time, almost the summer-ish, maybe? Well, they have to finish it by the when the Olympics start, like late July. Oh, the Olympics, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I forgot about those as well. Uh, yeah, you would need to finish it early enough for that. But yeah, I don't think any of the players really want to go through what six months plus in a bubble. No, that's not happening. The Cana- yeah, and with the divisions, Canadian division makes sense to do obviously. Uh, parity within there. I mean, yeah, anyone can win that uh, that that division essentially. I don't see why Calgary can't do it. I don't see why Edmonton can't. I don't see why Toronto can't. Maybe the Oilers, like we know their problems, so maybe they won't. Uh, but Toronto would probably be the favorites. Obviously, you would see obviously media, TSN, and whatnot. They'd be hyping up those Leafs as they usually do. Um, yeah, uh, anyone could really win that uh, that division, and that would probably be the, the probably the funnest thing of hockey coming back. It's going to be that one division where you see all Canadian teams in one. We've never seen that ever, like ever. Yeah, and we I've said I said on the podcast last week, screw the Stanley Cup next season. The Canucks aren't winning a Stanley Cup. I want to be the best team in Canada. If the Canucks can be the team that knocks out the Leafs in the first round of the playoffs next season, that's good enough for me. That that'll be my Stanley Cup. I'll take that. I'll take that dub. Oh, for sure. I mean, we've never seen the last time they would have played in the playoffs was '94. Yeah, Vancouver and Toronto. No. Yeah, that would have been last time. We've we've never seen that ever. You can knock out the Leafs. That's going that's going to be the biggest story in Canada. Who's going to be the a team that knocks out the Leafs? Going to have to run with that. Who's going to be a team? Whoever whoever knocks out the Leafs should just have should just win the Stanley Cup. 
that should just be the Stanley Cup exactly. next year. Exactly. Stanley Cup is, uh, yeah, not important then in that regard. Best team in Canada. What yeah. else do you need? You don't need anything else. You, the Canucks are winning the Stanley Cup. If you can be the bragging rights over all the Canadian hockey fans, it's good. that's good enough for me. That's nah, a big deal. That's a big deal in this uh, nation, of course. Yeah, Vancouver's not going to win a Stanley Cup next year. They weren't going to win one this year. I don't care what you know anyone says. If they had gone to a final against Tampa, they weren't going to win. They're still a few years away. Are they close? They're closer. They're not as close as I think they were pre this offseason, but they're still close. Mm. And, and speaking of that, like, what moves do you want to see the Canucks make before the start of next season, whatever that is? Is there any like what else do you need, do we need to see from this team? Hmm. I well, they would need a forward. Do they have the cap space for a forward? That I don't know. The one player I wouldn't mind, Anthony Duclair. Okay. Right. I think he can play up and down your your lineup. You show that he can score. He's still on a, what, a cheap enough cap hit there as well. Still young enough. I think he could probably be a perfect winger for Bo Horvat. I don't see why he wouldn't be. Yeah, and he's a guy you can probably get on a pretty good deal. He's still not signed, so you could probably get him on a cheap one-year deal. My like my issue is they don't seem to be willing to move from any of these vets. Like The buyout window has, has passed. I guess we could talk about this now. The buyout window has passed. They're officially not buying out Brandon Sutter. Like the, He's going to be on the team next season for sure. I think the only way you can realistically clear cap space uh, next season is you know you put Michael Furlan in LTIR, and that'll free up three points something. But you have to wait until the season starts. To do that, and that's the only issue. I mean, you can still, I and I've, I've said this on this podcast a bunch of times. Like, you can get rid of bad bad contracts, like bad con, like I like Louis Erickson. You can get rid of that contract. We've seen worse contracts get traded. I'm thinking of like a David Clarkson from the Leafs when he went to Columbus. Like, you can get rid of those bad contracts. You just have to put a sweetener on there to make it palatable. And what's what's the sweetener you have to give up for a guy like Louis Erickson or to get to give cap space like a first rounder? Would you give up a first rounder to get rid of him? Would you give up like a, a player like Pod Colson or Hoglander to get rid of, of Louis Erickson? At that price, you're better off just kind of biting the bullet and, and keeping the guy. Yeah, well, he's got two more years left on his contract. I don't think Jim Benning wants to give up a first rounder. I don't think he wants to give up any of those prized uh, prospects there either. For Louis Erickson, I think it is what it is at this point. You're just got to ride with him for two more years. Maybe he can, I don't know, kill some penalties. Maybe he can play half the season if that if you need him yeah with louis he kind of like, i get it you didn't expect him to drop off this much when you signed him i think when you signed him we all were kind of you know pumped up about that yeah like, okay, he, he, he played with sadines yeah he played with sadines uh, with sweden he was going to do well yeah you know we probably thought 25 to 30 goals maybe 35 who knows he was still young enough ish he was what 30 ish at the time I, yeah, no one foresaw, you know, Louis Erickson drop off a cliff as he has. At this point, it is what it is. You're going to need to bite the bullet on him. I don't see him getting moved for anything, really, unless you can really find a team that just wants him for nothing, which no one will. So with Louis, it is what it is. With Brandon Sutter, I mean, you got one more year left, so it's not the most terrible thing in the world. Uh, with Sutter, I still think a lot of hockey men still kind of like the whole he's good in the room thing, and it's like, okay, but you can probably get rid of him for a year. It's not going to hurt too much, no? You still got the guy like, like J.B. Golier. He's supposed to be good in the room yeah, as well. And, and Brandon Sutter still has that Sutter name. Some old hockey guy is going to see that and be like, okay, I need this guy on my team. He has yeah, the brand name recognition. Sure. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Good Branson as well. And that old hockey men love a guy like that. Yeah. That's why he still keeps getting jobs. And he was also also helps that you have a third overall pick kind of stench on you exactly. still. That's top top five pick. You can, you, we, got, we can turn him around. 
He was a top yeah. three pick. You can, you can turn him around. That's only been 10 years since he's been drafted. Yeah, it's only been that. 10 years that he probably is what he is. But you know what? Third overall pick. We could turn him around if we get him in the right system. Okay, just a few more questions because I know you got to get going here in a few minutes. Uh, Troy Stetcher. This was a big, big, big story when he left the Vancouver Canucks. And I think, and I said this last week when I had Bailey on, I think it's starting to get a bit overblown. Like, look, I love Troy Stetcher, the story. Local kid from Richmond, plays for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, undrafted free agent, makes the team, cements his spot. But at the end of the day, Troy Stetcher is a third-pairing defenseman. Like, he is a third-pairing defenseman on a really good team. Like, on a team the Canucks are trying to get towards, let's say, like a Vegas or Tampa, he'd be on the third-pairing of any of those teams. So at the end of the day, it's not the biggest loss that the Vancouver Canucks are going to not have his services anymore. But I think the biggest crime is, with all this cap space tied up with other guys, you weren't able to replace him. Like you can find third-pairing defensemen on the free agent market, especially this free agent market, but because of the cap space tied up with guys we've already mentioned before, you weren't able to replace him. Yeah, Troy Stetcher is a third-pair D-man. It's not a huge loss in the grand scheme of things. Is he a fan favorite? Of course. He's a local kid, and I don't think that angle could be you know overplayed enough. Fans love to see a version of themselves within the team. Mm-hmm. We know that. Troy Stetcher was a version of the typical fan here in this market. He played hard. You saw that he cared. It was just one of those things where it's like you didn't resign him. He was not another guy that couldn't wait around. You still brought in Nate Schmidt. Great. But you're still kind of lacking in your bottom pair of D as well. And this is where Jim Benning's probably going to be like, you know, counting on a guy like Oli Ulevi to make the jump. Maybe a Jack Rathbone to make the jump here as well. Are they ready? We don't know. Uh, we'll, 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 sir, we'll find out because he has no other choice, really. Like, who else are you going to play there? You've got Jordy Ben. You don't have Fantenberg even. He's still a free agent. He hasn't been signed. Jim still needs to kind of work on that last uh, pair of defensemen. And uh, with Troy Stetcher, it's, you know, we all wish him well in Detroit. Gave us all for this franchise that first year that he played here in Vancouver. I think you could easily say Troy Stetcher was probably the most exciting player on the team. I think that was 2015, I want to say. It was around there, yeah. It was around 2015. We like Troy Stetcher came on the scene, and we were like, who is this kid? Like, we probably knew at that point, okay, he's not going to be anything great, but he played like unbelievably well for a kid that probably nobody had even ever heard of almost. Yeah, he was an undrafted free agent from yeah. North Dakota. And, you know, yeah. he has that connection with Brock Besser as Kess. That also helped as well. Like he was, he was obviously very liked in the room. For sure, for sure. Uh, Troy Stetcher is going to be, you know, very much missed here. He's going to do well in Detroit, I'm sure. I think with Stetch, you know what you're going to get. You're always going to get a solid defenseman. You're going to get a guy who's, you know, you can count on in almost any situation that you need. Uh, is he the best defensive forward, or it's not defensive forward, best defensive defenseman? Probably not. There's holes in his game. We've seen him get exposed at times, but. Troy Stetcher is solid. Like, if you can get him on your third pair, you should. Jim Benning, did he kind of drop the ball on it? You could say he did. He, you know, just didn't prioritize Troy Stetcher, prioritize other things ahead of him. Troy's going to do well. Troy probably wanted to stay in Vancouver. Of course he did. The fans wanted him back. He's gone. Not a huge loss in the grand scheme of things, but it's one defenseman where I think when Vancouver does get to where they want to be, he's probably a guy you want on your team. Yeah, and sorry, just a couple more questions here. Travis Green. He's actually has, I believe this is the last year of his contract. The Canucks have not extended him. I thought this would be one of the first things they did in this offseason is try and extend Travis Green. What the hell's going on? Like, why haven't they extended him? What are they waiting for? 
Uh, they're waiting forwards, uh, defensemen and forwards and whatnot. <laughs> well, I don't know. Jim Benning, you know, we don't know really what the plan is with, with Jim sometimes. Uh, Travis Green, you know, he took this team to almost a conference final. That's going to be the big thing in his contract as well. It's like, look at how close he took them. Can you keep taking them further and further and further? I like Travis Green as a coach. I think he's been uh, almost a breath of fresh air almost from what they've had from a Torts, from a Willie. He's a guy that you can say he tries to match his lines almost. Like you can see he has a plan out there. He's not just rolling four lines like this is like peewee hockey or something, right? Mm-hmm. I like Travis Green as a coach. I think the team's going to keep continuing to trend upwards under him. The only player that you can say maybe has had some issues with Travis Green might be Jake Vertanen. Even then, Vertanen doesn't really help himself at most. Travis Green's a great coach. Will he be back in Vancouver? I don't think there's – unless there's some unless there's a huge name out there that's available – I think you're going to go with Travis Green again. I don't see, like, unless you want to go and get, like, Mike Babcock or something. But even then, would you rather have Babcock or Green? Probably take Green. Yeah, and I think what cemented me is with Travis Green as being a really good coach was that game against St. Louis where he kind of hit, uh, hit his lines at the beginning in, li- in line warm-ups and kind of surprised them. I think it was before this was game five. Like, big swing game yeah. in the series, and he managed to surprise the Blues and get the win out of it. Like, that, to me, that whole sequence cemented, me, cemented for me, like, this guy's a good coach. You should probably try and keep him around. You know what that reminded me of? Almost like the whole 2010-2011 era. That was like something AV would do. Right? We haven't seen that in years. And like over a decade now, he kind of, like he gets it almost in a way. Like he's not towards, he's not willy. He's got a plan. And we haven't seen a coach with a plan in this market for far too long. And by hiding his lines, that's a great move. Like that's going to get, one, the fans will love you for that. Two, it's kind of so petty, but it's just so, like, like you just love it. It's so petty that you can't help but love it. Yeah, and one thing I think Travis Green should always get credit for is playing Elias Patterson as center right when he came over here. Because if you remember the, the discussion at the time was, oh, he's going to have to start on the wing with Brandon Sutter, and like he wasn't going to be ready defensively to like be a center in the league. And Travis Green pretty much said, like, fuck that. This guy's, like, good enough to play right now as a center. And we've seen what happens since. Like, I think he should always get credit or playing Elias Patterson as a center pretty much right away. I think Travis Green's always had faith in all of his players. I, again, Timber's always going to bring up Jake, and Jake brings that on himself for the most part. But with, with Patterson, it's you probably saw how good he was. Why can't he play center in this league? If he proves that he can't, okay, cool. Move him to the wing. He can be shielded. You've got, you know, he could play with the Bo Horvat if you need to. He can play with the Brandon Sutter if you need to. I think Sven Berchi might have still been around at that time. Potentially, he could have played with Sven Berchi if he was healthy enough there as well. Patterson showed that he can play anywhere, essentially. Put him anywhere. This kid's going to still score you goals. He's going to put up points. He doesn't really necessarily get pushed around a lot, and he kind of pushes back, too, in some ways. Patterson's one of those players where it's just, he's almost like the twins in a way, but he's got a mean streak to him. That's the one thing I love about, about PD. He's not afraid of anything. Travis Green trusted him. Patterson rewarded that trust, and yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a great building block for the Vancouver Canucks. One final question. You were introduced on this network by Kyle as the traffic guy. This is going to be a very vague question. I want I want some traffic tips. Like, what are the spots around the city to avoid? How do, how do I get around this city faster? Uh, well, yeah, tune into him seven thirty. That's out. Okay, you're not going to give no, no free plugs. No free plugs. Well, it depends. Like, you know, where are you trying to get to at this time? Uh, I would, if you need to get into Delta at this time, uh, I would take the Alps Fraser. Okay. I'll say that southbound Alps Fraser. Four lanes now southbound. Oh, what's it usually? Back of <laughs> what's, what's it usually? 
Uh, well, it's usually been well. They, they installed uh, Counterflow a few months ago. Okay, interesting. So now during the rush, they give you four lanes south, and then in the mornings, four lanes north. Oh, yeah, you know what? Let's let's try and fix that Patello Patulo bridge first before we worry <laughs> about the Alex Bridge. That thing was like straight out of the eighteen hundreds, like a Victorian bridge. When I went over it, it was not not that fun. Why yeah, are the I try name, to avoid that Why are the, Why are the time. lanes so narrow on that bridge? Is it just because it's old? Must be like it's a scary bridge when you see how many trucks actually take it, how many semis and whatnot. I don't want to be driving beside a Chevy on that thing. Yeah, no. Luckily, I was traveling like pretty late at night, so it wasn't too many cars. But yeah, no, we got, we got, we got, we got, we got to do something. If anyone's listening from the BC government, shout out to NDP, just won a majority. Can we do something about the Patello Patulo Bridge? Yeah, that's uh, that one needs it more than the whole George Massey thing, right? You twin that or. T- you know, try to fix that tunnel. Nope, try to fix this bridge first. Yeah, the tunnel, the tunnel's not going anywhere. That bridge could fall over at any moment. No, yeah, that's a scary bridge. Avoid that thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Ryan, thank you so much for joining the podcast, and hopefully we can have you on again sometime. This was a lot of fun. For sure, it's a lot of fun. Thanks, man. All right, thank you to Ryan Leal for hopping on the podcast. Much appreciated. Go check out the SET show. Go check out AM730 to get around the city. And not much to end this episode with. I just want to say that next week's episode will be the last episode of Power of the Towel for 2020. The decision has been made. And we have a very special guest lined up for that episode of Power of the Towel, the season finale of Power of the Towel. I don't want to share who it is right now. You're going to have to wait and see. Let's just say it's it's well worth the wait and someone I've wanted to have on for a very, very long time. Anyways, that's this week's episode of Power of the Towel for the Nux Misconduct Network. I'm your host, Nick Bonney. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Nux Misconduct, at Power of the Towel, and myself at Nick Bondi. Once again, this is Power of the Towel for the Nux Misconduct Network and SB Nation. My name is Nick Bondi, and thank you for listening.